Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Today is Thursday, December 17th, and today I'm going to air a part two of my interview with my friend Alex Newman. We're going to be talking about what went wrong in our public education system, talking about the Great Reset. You guys, this is going to be an amazing, fascinating interview that you will not want to miss. Share it with your friends. Are you ready? Here we go. So also today, oh my goodness, you guys, I want to give a shout out to Sue in Georgia and Amanda in Wisconsin, Dina, Plano, Texas, who said, Heidi, thank you for speaking the truth and making such a difference. God bless you, your family and your ministry. You guys, I just want to say thank you for uh, those of you who are choosing to help us by supporting this ministry and the podcast financially. You really are making a difference. And pretty soon we're going to be at the end of our December study on the book of Revelation. And right now we're on part three. And unless you're new to the podcast, you've heard me talk about this before. And you guys can purchase the first two parts of the study in my store at HeidiStJohn.com. It's going to be an amazing Christmas gift for a family member or a friend or a neighbor to study the book of Revelation. And then you can join me at MomStrong International where we are going through that right now. I teach live every Wednesday and yesterday was the last day for my live teaching uh, for the month of December. We'll pick it up in January after the New Year's break. So we're going to have a little bit of a break right now and then we'll pick it up after that. You guys, it's an amazing time to study God's word. This is also an amazing time to pull your kids out of public school. (laughs) And today I'm going to air part two with my interview uh, with Alex Newman, who is incredibly well-educated in the field and the topic of education. So sit back, enjoy this part two of my interview with Alex Newman. Well, we, we, you know, we thought that we were doing okay. Kids could read their Bibles in school. We could pray in school, but we saw that systematically taken away. So when someone asks you, uh, where did, you know, where do we make this left turn somewhere? What's your answer to that? when we decided that government should be educating our children instead of parents. And now, you know, to be fair, uh, it took a long time to get from where we were under Horace Mann to where we are today. And that's because the public never would have tolerated what eventually came to pass. That's why they had to do it very slowly. In fact, John Dewey wrote an essay. It's so important that we actually reprinted it as an appendix in the book, Crimes of the Educators. It's called The Primary Education Fetish. And it's so revealing. (laughs) I mean, first of all, when you read it, uh, one of the things that becomes immediately apparent is John Dewey doesn't want your children to be very well educated. I mean, he he rants and raves about how, why are we wasting all this time teaching little children to read and do math and think and all this stuff. What we really need to focus on is basically getting the individualism out of them and, and turning them into good little collectivists. And he goes on to say, and this is almost a word for word quote, a change must come gradually to force it unduly would compromise its final success by favoring a violent reaction. So he knew that if parents understood what he was up to, if teachers understood, if taxpayers understood, principals, administrators, uh, there would be a revolt. There would be, in his words, a violent reaction. And so they understood If we want this to work, it's got to go in baby steps. We've got to do it over a period of multiple generations. And and so, of course, when you look at education in early America, education was completely centered around God, Christ, the Bible. Uh, I mean, you you can look anywhere, and what you'll see is education was considered completely inseparable from Christ. 
Uh, you can look at, for example, the old motto of Harvard University. Right? They said the purpose of your education is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. That was the purpose of education, according to Harvard University. Right, one of the, the first and most important educational institutions in America. And this was just common knowledge. Everybody understood that. So how do you get from a world where that is the dominant paradigm, which is what Horace Mann and, and really even still John Dewey were dealing with, to their ultimate objective, where, which is where the majority or the overwhelming majority of the population rejects God, rejects the Bible, rejects biblical truth, rejects individual liberty and the political system that was bequeathed to us by our founders. And you got to figure out, well, hey, we need to do this slowly over a long period of time. And that's exactly what happened. And so that's what I tell people. These Supreme Court decisions in 1962 and 1963 that banned the Bible and that banned prayer, that was just the culmination of a process that began long, long before those cases were even litigated. And, and you can see how ridiculous it was. You can see that the American people must have already been dumbed down and indoctrinated to a very significant degree. Uh, First of all, from a biblical perspective, the idea that you could have education without God, without the Bible, is simply ludicrous. Right? Open up the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1-7, Proverbs 9-10. God tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How in the world can you build an education system on something other than God and, and biblical truth? Well, of course, you can't build a legitimate educational system. You can't get wisdom. You can't get knowledge if you don't understand the basics. Right. So this was a long process. Then from a constitutional perspective, you also see uh, these rulings were absolutely idiotic. It, it took significant indoctrination and a shift in public attitudes to be able to accomplish something like that. The Supreme Court said the First Amendment would not allow prayer or Bible in the schools. But if you actually know what the First Amendment says right away, this is obviously ridiculous. Right. The First Amendment says Congress shall make no law. That's the state right. of New York is not Congress. My local school district is not Congress. How can you say that? And then you add to the fact, you add to that the fact that when the Constitution was ratified, when the First Amendment was ratified, most of the states had established churches. And, and I'm not arguing for an established church. However, when you say the states had established churches and yet they meant to prohibit prayer or Bible in education, uh, those two things can't be true at the same time. So clearly the people had been deceived. Clearly the manipulation had been going on for some time. In fact, Congress did a report in the early 1950s, actually. They were investigating these tax-exempt foundations that played such a big role in this, uh, Rockefeller money, the Carnegie Foundations, and, mm. and some of these other big foundations. And what the Congress found, this was the uh, Select Committee to Investigate Tax-Exempt Foundations and Comparable Organizations. They said that there had been a revolution in America. At, mind you, this was before the report was released, so in the 1940s, 1930s, and they said it never would have been possible if education had not prepared the way in advance. They were exactly right. They never would have been able to get Bible and prayer out of the schools if they had not had this revolution that came through the school system before they got to that point. Well, and John Dewey uh, didn't believe in God, right? I mean, he he, he didn't did believe not. that there, he didn't believe there's God. So I believe it was John that said there is no God, so there is no soul, and so we don't need religion anywhere. We don't need it in the schools. We don't need it anywhere. I wonder if parents, if if people had understood 
where these guys were coming from, if it would have made a difference. I, I don't know, because I'm looking around now and I'm thinking at what point, because I've been spending years and years here at the podcast trying to tell people, get your kids out of school. And I started off kind of tiptoeing around it, kind of softballing it. Now I'm just like, hey guys, uh, the Titanic is sinking. Like <laughs> how, how long are you going to stand on the bow of the Titanic and polish the brass? Because because people keep saying, well, we want our kids in the school. And I hear the garbage argument of salt and light and all that stuff. And they don't understand what's at stake here. But John Dewey knew exactly what was at stake. And I, I wonder, uh, what would it, what does it take to wake parents up to the point where they realize that the people that, that shaped our public education system, this is exactly the outcome they were hoping for. Yep. And we can see the fruit of it right now. You know, the Bible says you can judge something by its fruit. And we see the fruit of the public school system. Now it is so clear, right? What is the fruit of the public education system? My generation, I'm, I'm a so-called millennial, which is terribly embarrassing to admit. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, you know, 70% of my generation say they are socialists. Uh, millennials yeah. are the first generation in all of American history where Christians are in the minority. And, and so this is the fruit, right? The fruit is abortion, the destruction of our economy, the destruction of our families, the collapse of our political systems, really the collapse of our civilization. And this is this was a direct result of what happened in the school system. Now you have public schools across the United States teaching kindergarten children that they might have been born in the wrong body, that maybe they need yeah. hormones, maybe they need to be surgically mutilated so they can impersonate it and be their true selves. I mean, if parents are not paying attention at this point, if parents have not recognized what's going on, uh, I, I think really they they're just being ostriches. They're just sticking mm -hmm. their head in the sand and hoping that uh, you know the the lion will not bite their butt. But the lion is going to bite their butt. And and what's at stake mm -hmm. here is their children. And I tell mm -hmm. parents, you know, these public schools they are destroying your children. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. They're destroying them mentally and physically and spiritually and academically and morally. And in the process, of course, they're destroying our whole country. And at this point, it's so obvious. It's clear for everyone to see. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that's right. We're watching now in the middle of COVID. Uh, we're hearing more and more about the Great Reset and what's, you know, what what a COVID is really kind of ushering in. We had a meeting here at the Homeschool Resource Center this morning, and one of the members of our board of directors happened to be in town. So we we're talking to him, and he was saying he believes, and I do too, that the this country right now is ripe for this kind of a takeover, for some sort of a reset to happen, and largely because we have been for now generations allowing a secularist ideology to come into our schools to tell our kids, hey, you really have no purpose here. You're just an amoeba that happened to crawl out of some primordial ooze somewhere out of some big bang where the Bible says, no, you were created on purpose with purpose. You have a creator. And like I'm always telling audiences, having a creator changes everything. If You're you have exactly. a creator, then you got to know who he is and what is best for you, because surely if he made you, he knows. Right. But we've told our kids now for generations that there is no God, that there is no creator. And now we find ourselves ripe for what I have been seeing now for months and months, this great reset. First, we heard about it in the shadows. It was only the conspiracy theorists that talk about it. And more and more now, people who I would say have, um, relatively what i don't know uh, well known and trusted platforms are going now it's kind of a real thing can you tell me what, what you know your view from where you're standing what you see about the so-called great reset and how it's going to affect the education system yeah i'm glad you asked heidi i actually just finished a in-depth 
uh, analysis of exactly that question. It was published by the Epic Times uh, very recently, I think within the last week or two, and people can go find that. And so what I did was basically just look at what these promoters of this great reset were saying about education. So I got Klaus Schwab's book and found out what he said. And so what's coming? I, I encourage people to go read the article because it's, you know, it's, it's huge. It, it would take hours to go through everything in detail, but what's coming down the pike now and what COVID really facilitated this transformation is really a sidelining of teachers, the complete destruction of traditional education. And, and so really this began with John Dewey. This, you know, they rejected God. As you said, they, they thought we just came from slime that somehow came, turned into a monkey and then became a human. Uh, right. And so they or a tarantula, you know, they're so close, <laughs> right. you know, it's just chance. You get to be a tarantula. You can be a hissing Madagascar cockroach. You could be a person. You could be a zebra. It's insane. I always tell my kids, you know, it takes more faith to believe in an evolution than it does to believe I have a creator. Absolutely. Uh, it's, the whole thing is just bananas. It really is. And, and, and it's critical to the, the worldview of the people who dominate the education system today. Uh, and this, again, goes straight back to John Dewey. A lot of John Dewey's colleagues at Columbia University, the University of Chicago, the people who helped him bring about this transformation, they were behavioral psychologists. And they were part of this kind of new school of thought that viewed humans as slightly more evolved animals. And, and they didn't believe in education in the traditional sense, in the biblical sense, in the classical sense. They believed education really should actually be just glorified animal training, right? It's just just like you would train a, a tiger to jump through a hoop at a circus. That's what you need to do with children. And so under the Great Reset, we're now moving full speed in that direction. They want to sideline teachers completely and replace teachers with artificial intelligence and algorithms. They are using highly advanced methods, things uh, that, that hide under these very non-threatening names, social and emotional learning, things like that. Oh, don't get me going on social emotional learning. Okay. So you know. Okay, good. Uh, it, it, this is dangerous stuff, right? And, and if you listen to the people behind these things. Some of them are deeply involved in the occult, and all of them explain very clearly, at least when they're speaking among themselves, and you can read through the lines when they're speaking to the public, that the goal of all this is to manipulate the views, the behavior, the attitudes, the worldview of the children. Uh, and they know that there's a limit when it comes to using human teachers to accomplish all this, right? Mm -hmm. Human teachers are not cogs in a machine. They have moral value. Even the most radical progressive teacher has some sort of moral boundary, right? Maybe it's not, um, you know, the LGBT agenda, but maybe it's, you know, do I really have to teach five-year-olds that they can go surgically mutilate themselves to be a new gender? Mm -hmm. Like, really? So, mm -hmm. so there's this big obstacle that they've had, and they're hoping that as we move into this great reset, as COVID shuts down the uh, the regular schools and moves everything online that they're going to be able to move us into this incredible, brave new world where algorithms and artificial intelligence and devices and huge companies like Google and Microsoft are going to be able to scientifically manipulate and shape the opinions, the attitudes of these children. Uh, and that's happening as we speak. It's just it hasn't gotten very much attention yet. That's amazing. So when we talk about this stuff, I mean, there are parents who are listening to this and they're like, uh, you know, I mean, y your jaw hits the floor because, right, we we also know that the UN's involved in education, heavily involved in education. When I tell parents, hey, you guys think that the education system is just filtered down from your local public school, uh, wrong. You think it's just being legislated over at uh, in Olympia by Washington state legislators who want to tell my son and daughter that they can change their gender magically. I know of people who are literally involved 
uh, in the mutilation of young girls through uh, mastectomies as young as the age of 13 in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I know that in Kaiser Permanente, they have done mastectomies on autistic children. It's amazing to me what's happening to our kids. And this doesn't come from your local public school. There are a lot of teachers in the public school, and I feel sorry for them, frankly, who are like, oh, we're in trouble. Like, I don't want to participate in this. And yet here I am. I'm playing in this big game. But it goes much, much deeper than that. You wrote that the U.N.'s involved in education. What is, how are they involved in that? Yeah, the UN has become a more and more important player in the education of, of the whole world uh, over the last few decades. And it's at the point now where they are trying to standardize education globally. Uh, part of it's coming in through this great reset, but it's not new. And I'll, I'll just throw some some facts out there. And I, I recognize a lot of it sounds wild to people who haven't looked at this. I encourage you fact check every word I'm saying. You'll see that I'm telling you the truth. So when UNESCO was created, the, UN, the UNESCO is the UN Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Uh, they told us really right at the front what they were hoping to do. Uh, and it was concealed under nice terms. They wanted to build peace into the minds of men so that we couldn't have war. But they're right away telling you, we want to use the school system to instill our ideas and our values into the children. Well, the first guy they put in charge of the UNESCO, his name was Julian Huxley. He was actually the brother of Aldous Huxley. He was the head of the transhumanist, or excuse me, the, the humanist society, which, of course, John Dewey was also a humanist. He was one of the co-authors of the first humanist manifesto. So his religious worldview was perfectly in line with John Dewey's. There is no God. We came from slime. Collectivism is great. Uh, and I, I encourage people to go read the humanist manifesto, too, and you'll see that this is a false religion. It's a very dangerous false religion. And this is now the the reigning religion in our public school system. So they are teaching a religion. Now, UNESCO, in the years since, has gotten more and more active. So in 1990, they brought all the governments of the world together, and they signed the first ever global agreement on education. It was called Education for All. Uh, Ten years later, they got together and they did it again. It was just uh, more intense. They said openly, we need to change the values and attitudes of all children all over the world. Uh, all children all over the world need to be learning from the same standards. I mean, they said this openly, and every mm-hmm. government on earth agreed to these things. Not long after that, the Assistant Secretary General of the United Nations, a gentleman by the name of Robert Mueller, uh, no relation to the special counsel. I was going to say, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I mean, I encourage people That's to look this Right. I know the name, right? Um, but I encourage people to look this guy up. Uh, for Christians, right away, you would be very alarmed by the things this man believed, by the things this man wrote. Um, he, he wrote, for example, that the United Nations was actually the body of Christ. Now, if you're a Christian, you know that the church is the body of Christ, not the United right. Nations. Uh, and so they had these very weird views. He was a disciple of Alice Bailey. And so he wrote this thing called the World Core Curriculum. And we'll come back to the resemblance between the name and Common Core in just a moment. But I encourage people to go look this up. It, it's still posted all over the UN's websites. They said this should be taught in every school on the planet. And I managed to get a copy, and you could probably get one at your local library, of the teacher's manual for the World Core Curriculum. It was written by Robert Mueller, and he tells you right there in the foreword to this teacher's manual that it's based on the teachings of Alice Bailey and Javal Kuhl. Okay, anybody can verify this for themselves. This book has even been uh, scanned, and so you can find it using Google Books. It's, you know, I'm not making this up. Everybody can fact check it. And to most people, that means nothing because most people don't know who Alice Bailey was. But I can give you a couple data points that I think should really alarm you. She was the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company. 
True story. They've now changed the name to Lucius Trust because Lucifer Publishing Company was just a little too obvious. Uh, She also claimed to be in communication with spiritual entities. She described them as uh, ascended masters. And, you know, anybody who reads their Bible knows that these are not ascended masters. And Jamal Kuhl was the primary one of these. And as, as she tells it, these ascended masters would take over her body and write these books about different topics, about this coming world system. And one of the books... I have a copy. It's called Education in the New Age by Alice Bailey and her Ascended Master, Javal Kuhl. And when you read it, you see very clearly what their objective was. Uh, She says, we need a one world government. We need a one world brain. And education is the tool that's going to bring this about. It's going to be done through a fusion of Marxism and neo-scholasticism. So very transparent where they were going. Now, fast forward some years. In 2004, Bill Gates signed a very important agreement with UNESCO. Um, this agreement was actually obtained by my late friend Phyllis Schlafly, and she posted it on her website. Anybody can read it. Bill Gates signed it with his own hand. And what they agreed to, UNESCO and Bill Gates, on behalf of Microsoft, was to develop global curricula, global syllabus, global teacher training programs, global standards, global technology uh, standards for incorporating technology into schools all around the world. Well, that was 2004. Fast forward a few years, Bill Gates is pouring billions, and yes, I mean billions, billions of dollars into the creation, the marketing of Common Core, precisely. And they brag that, I mean, I've got a commercial from the people who created Common Core where they're bragging about how Common Core lines American education up with international standards. So that's the direction that this is all heading toward, Heidi. They want a one-world educational system where the Bible and God are minimized, mocked, um, repudiated, and where all children all over the world learn the same values, attitudes, and beliefs. That is terrifying. Uh, it it's, is. And it's also, you know, I mean, we should note that Bill Gates is behind the mandatory vaccine. Yes, he is. I mean, this guy believes that we should that that we shouldn't have a choice. That I mean, I'm wondering. I think he lives right here in Washington State. It makes me want to run for my life. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow, we're we're producing some amazing things here uh, in in Washington State. And you're saying that this goes so so deep. So for the parents who are listening, I mean, I'm writing notes. I can't keep up with you. You're talking too fast. I'm writing notes. You said that the name of that book that people can look it up, written by. Uh, Alice Bailey and her alter ego, Juval Cruel or Cool. It's the teacher's manual for what? Okay, I'm sorry. Let me let me start again so that everybody can go verify this for themselves. So Robert Mueller, he's the he's the guy who developed the World Core curriculum. Uh, he also put together a teacher's manual that goes with the World Core curriculum. And in the foreword to that, he said that the underlying philosophy upon which gotcha. the World Core curriculum is based is found in the teachings of Alice Bailey and Juval Cool. And so Alice Bailey was this uh, esoteric writer. She was a, a disciple of an occultist from Russia, Helena Blavatsky. And I mean, their their views are just absolutely bonkers. I think from a Christian perspective, we see very clearly what's going on here. Uh, she believed that Lucifer was actually the liberator and, and he was here to set us free from this mean, oppressive Jehovah who uh, wanted to keep us in ignorance and wouldn't let us eat that. You know, you know, how it basically a reversal right. of the biblical story. And so. Alice Bailey would collaborate, as as she explained it, you know, people can make what they will of it. But she said that she was collaborating with these ascended masters. She described them as these um, spiritual beings who were just so wise and knowledgeable, and they just wanted the best for mankind. And so she collaborated with these entities, as as she told it, in the writing of a whole bunch of different books. And one of the books that, that focuses specifically on education is called Education in the New Age. And it's incredibly revealing 
uh, as to where these people hope that our education system will take our children. So this demon-possessed woman. Precisely. <laughs> writing a book about education. I mean, that's what you're saying, right? Yes. This, 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 this woman who's possessed by a demon is not even trying to hide it writing a book and how she thinks our kids should be educated. Nice. That's really nice. That's yeah. And, and then the guy who developed the world core curriculum says the world core curriculum is based on the teachings of this woman and her demons. So that's <laughs> unbelievable. And for, you know, for all of these years, I mean, I just think it, it sends a shiver up your spine to think how blind we have been. Hitler said, you know, he alone who owns the youth owns the future. And the Bible teaches us in in Luke chapter six, uh, verse 40, that a student, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And I've been telling parents now for a decade, who's teaching your kids? Do you know who taught the person who's teaching your child? Because they're going to pass that ideology and those beliefs and that worldview onto our kids. And now I know we're so we're so far down into it. And I've been telling people, hey, the barn's on fire. At what point do you get the animals out? Titanic sinking. Pull your kids, pull your kids. That's, that is step one. So for everyone who's listening to this and you still have your kids in the public school, even if it's so I'm hearing from parents. Ooh, Alex, I'm hearing from parents. We're like, well, it's cool now because everything's online. OK, you cannot hide your your children. There's nowhere to hide. So the same garbage that they're teaching them in person, they are also teaching online. I saw a, a video, came, a viral video that went out the other day from a mother who happened to be sitting in the kitchen while she was listening to her eight-year-old be instructed in uh, in uh, social studies. They call it social studies, right? Mm-hmm. And they were the teacher was telling the children, eight-year-old children, that half of their brain is reptilian oh my <laughs> and half of their brain is human. And the mom is like, she, you know, she's like, listen, I was just, you know, looking up recipes on Pinterest, trying to figure out what to make for dinner. And I happened to overhear this teacher. And she said, my son was sitting there like a sponge, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay. You know, I, I guess, you know, part of me could be a reptile. And so she gets on to Facebook or TikTok, I guess it was. She gets on a, on a social media platform and just says, what the heck's going on? I thought that we were teaching our kids reading, writing, and arithmetic, but my kid's being taught that half his brain is a reptile's brain. <laughs> but that's actually happening. And I think parents are like, what? you know what? But if you can teach your children that their sex is malleable and that maybe the answer to your confusion and maybe the answer to your um, – to your honest questions about life and how, how, what am I, what's my, my role in this world, that the answer might be, Hey, you could be born in the wrong body. Then why not teach them that their brain is half reptile where, I mean, where do you go from there? There's no place to go. Right. That's exactly right. Heidi. And for Christians, I think it boils down to something very simple. Twice in the gospels, we have recorded uh, directly from Jesus saying, either you are with me or you are Mm -hmm. against me. It's a very simple duality. Either you're with Christ or you are against Christ. And so we know, I mean, it's official. Nobody denies that the education system is against Christ. It's not with Christ, clearly. Uh, Therefore, it is against Christ. It's that simple. And then you look at all these other things and you see they all fit perfectly into that pattern. John Dewey, right? Uh, there is no God. The universe is not created. Uh, private property is bad. And and actually, you know, he, he portrayed this as like kind of a new secular religion. But if you drill down, it, it really goes back to the earliest lies from the book of Genesis, right? Uh, Genesis 3, 5. What did the snake say? 
Oh, did God really say he just yeah. doesn't want you to be like God? Right. And, and that is what humanism is. It's this idea that man is actually his own little God and man gets to decide what is right and wrong. Oh, God doesn't want you to know what's right and wrong. That's why he doesn't want you to eat the fruit. So it really boils down to this very simple dichotomy. And every Christian parent, I mean, there, there's no doubt about this. The system doesn't deny it. Uh, every Christian parent needs to understand the public education system officially rejects Christ. And as the Bible, as Christ himself explained, that means they are against Christ. And so if we are called as parents to bring up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, if we are told in Deuteronomy that we should be teaching God's laws to our children when, when we wake up, when we lie down, when we're eating, when we're walking by the way, um, I mean, it's, it's just it should be very, very clear, I think, to Christian parents that public school is not an option anymore. It can't be. That's right. And I think for parents who are just now starting, because I think what you said earlier as we were talking, that you, at this point, you'd have to be willfully ignorant. At this point, to not see what's going on, you have to stick your head in the, in the sand and just la, 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 turn the radio up a little bit louder. Thanks for listening today. I hope you guys are enjoying this. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot to digest. And I told Alex when we wrapped up uh, talking the other day, I just said, man, Listening to you is like trying to take a drink from an education fire hose, but it's so important that we not lose sight of the value of education. And tomorrow we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what God says to parents and what it looks like for us to begin to change the narrative on education, particularly as it relates to Christian families living in the world right now. It's so important, you guys. Uh, before I leave today, I want to remind you that your donations are making a huge difference over here. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and for just encouraging us. Thanks for the Christmas cards that you're sending to the Friendly Planet Homeschool Resource Center. We're loving them. It's so much fun to get those in the mail. And uh, don't forget, we want to invite you to visit us uh, for Visitor's Day, and you can register for that. And I will link to that in the show notes today. Just click on the button that says, I want to attend Visitor Day in uh, Vancouver, Washington at the Firmly Planet Homeschool Resource Center. That will be happening uh, January 8th and 9th. All right, you guys, hope you're having a great day and I will see you back here for the third part of my interview with Alex Newman. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com. <laughs>